What is going on, beautiful people? It is your boy, Jesse, a.k.a. Jesse Prada, and you are listening to the Christ Convo Podcast, where we inspire you to live the best way you can for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope this episode blesses you. Without further ado, let's get into it, y'all. Yo, 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 yo. I'm back on another episode with the Christ Combo Podcast, and I have a special guest with me again. This is my big sister in the gospel, my spiritual sister, my elder. Oh my gosh, y'all, this is one of my leaders. It's clergy Month. Is, is it here or is it coming up? It's this month. It's this month, guys. Clergy Month is here. Appreciate your clergy. Appreciate your leaders. Appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> but y'all, this is my this is my big sis. This is Deborah, Elder Deborah, Prophetess Deborah. We love her. Say hello to the people. Hey y'all, how you doing? Oh, I'm so grateful to have her on this podcast. Um, she has a powerful story. Um, a powerful woman of God. And one thing I also another fun fact about her. One thing I love is her expression to the Lord. Um, like worship. She's a creative, so she paints. She dances. She does flags. And she has sticks um, that she uses during service. Uh, and it's a very powerful thing to watch. So if you guys ever get the privilege to watch it, it will bless you. And to just really be open to any form of expression that God gives to his people. So, yeah. So she has a book called 52. Yes, 52 Shake the Dust, The Power to Overcome. What is your book about? Um, my book is about the Babylonian captivity and um, talks about how they were captured by um, captured and taken into exile. And I compare it to what God took me through hmm. at the time of captivity and almost like what we're going through now with COVID. Yeah. Um, and so in the book, it talks about how the what how God brought his people through captivity and how they over, how they overcame. Mm. So what does, or what did Deborah's captivity look like? Um, it was a love relationship. Mm -hmm. It was it, my relationship with the Lord. Um, I got a lot closer. What happened was, um, I had been working for the government for the past 10 years. I was a government consultant and I was on my last contract and it ended. And so what I normally do is I, okay, God, what's, what's the next contract? Where am I going next? Yeah. And I didn't get the next, I didn't get another contract. And, um, I didn't know that I was going to be in captivity by him not giving me income or, or, or another contract, because that was how I made my living was going from contract, contract, government contracts. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get one when I asked them because that was a normal thing. It was just normal for me to go to the next contract. Yeah. And so when that happened, I immediately thought that I had did something wrong. And he said, no, you didn't do anything wrong. It was just time. It was just time. And so um, what what he explained to me was that I had been putting my um, 
what I wanted. I thought what was best for me. I was not going to him when I needed help. I was going to myself. I put myself before before him. And so, and that's similar to, that's very similar to what the Israelites did, right? They forgot about God. Mm. They put him to the side and they did their own thing. And that's what I was doing unknowingly. I was unknowingly making decisions without God and doing things without going to him. And that's very similar to what the Israelites did. They did the same exact thing and he was angry about it. He was mad about it because he wanted them to come to him and they didn't. So he took them into captivity, into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Now, 70 years is a long, long time. Yeah. And so um, mine has just ended. Jesus. And um, this was 20... 2018 that I had went into captivity and um, without um, you know without employment and totally trusting God totally trusting him learning to trust him for everything so yeah wow that's powerful um, how did the dynamic of your life change once you because I know you talked about how he confronted you so once he confronted you and you no longer received income, what was life like for you then? Oh my God, it was, I, I wanted to commit suicide. I, it was very, very hard for me in the beginning. I just, I could see why people would lose their mind. Mm -hmm. I could see why people wanted to commit suicide. I could see why um, people who lose their jobs go into depression. Hmm. Um, I had all of that. But there were so many, there were so many um, experiences that I had with him that outweighed all that, that he literally sustained and kept me. In my book, I talk about the time um, that I was in. I have in my room, I have the spot that I go to. And I was feeling like I was just, I was just losing it. I was lose, really just losing it emotionally. And I remember I was on my knees praying in my room. And my iPad was up on, up on the, um, I have this thing that I put it on. So it was sitting up there. And I'm sitting there praying and... I see my I see a picture and a vision of my iPad shaking like like in a like like when you see in the airplane when the the pilot is um, uh, trying to land and you see on the display yeah it but it blacked out mm -hmm. and then it started shaking I nothing I saw nothing but white snow and I heard the Lord say we are with you you're going to be okay we're coming in for a landing. And this is on my, this is literally, my iPad was sitting right there. And I was like, what the heck, what is going on here? Mm. You know, and it just gave me um, comfort to know that he was with me. All the turbulence I was feeling, everything, I was, everything that I was feeling, the turbulence, the, the fear of losing, losing. I, I, I didn't want to lose my home. I didn't want to be homeless. You know, because I didn't have I didn't have any income. Mm. 
And um, just that experience of him letting me know, hey, we're coming in for a landing. You're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, many, many, many different experiences like that that got me through those suicidal thoughts, that got me through uh, depression, the anger of why did I, why do I have to go through this? You know, um, there's a there's a part in my book that uh, chapter eight is my favorite chapter, and it talks about waiting. It's called the weight of His glory, the W A I T, and I. Through this experience, I've learned to wait, to wait, to wait, and wait, and wait, and wait, and wait, and trust God, trust Him. And um, sometimes we don't want to wait, we want to rush ahead. And that was my thing, you know, getting ahead of God, getting ahead of what He wanted. So I had to wait, I had to learn to wait on the Lord. And as I waited, I had so many different experiences um, with them. One time I was laying on the couch and um, right in that room, I was laying on the couch and um, it was a time, it was just, it was just barren. I didn't know where my next, my next, um, where I was going to get money from. And I was laying there and I heard water. I heard water running. And, I, and then I felt a presence. And then it was the Lord, the angels bringing me water, telling me I was going to make it, that I was going to make it. Mm. And um, that to me... I wouldn't trade the experiences that I've had with the Lord during this during this time for anything. And it was those moments that gave me the power to overcome. It's my relationship with him that gave me the power to um, overcome. So it seemed like supernatural experiences were like normal for you during this time. Yeah, they intensified. Yeah. They, they definitely in- intensified during this time. God showed his faithfulness. Wow. He showed his faithfulness to me. You were saying that you were worried about losing your home. And here we are doing a podcast in your home. Yeah. So what happened? Like, I know he sustained <laughs> you. He, has, he sustained you spiritually and emotionally. But at the end of the day, bills have to be paid. Right. And we still live in a natural world where money, you know, yeah. it, it flows. So yeah. how are we? how are we in your dining room doing a podcast when you had no income? Um. I, you know, <laughs> it was a miracle because yeah. my house was actually in foreclosure once. I went through uh, bankruptcy, foreclosure. Um, I came out of foreclosure and then I was on the brink of um, going back into foreclosure and the system the system got, um, what's the word? What's the word when something happens to a system and it's... It glitched? It glitched. It was a system glitch. It was a system glitch. And so 
I get this, I get this letter from the mortgage people starting everything over again. I get a, I get the payment book, you know, starting to start over again with my mortgage. So I'm not in the system. I'm not in any, I'm, I, I got my mortgage. I have my house because it was a computer glitch. Wow. I'm, we are sitting here because God said that he was going to, he was interceding for me. And so it was a computer glitch. That's what happened. God made it happen. So this is over the course of how many years? Um, 2018, 19, three years, going on four years. So when you hit this moment where you no longer received income, was this like the first time that's ever happened to you? Or it was, it, what was it like in your previous life when it came to financial hardship? Was it, did you always have it good or did you struggle? What was it like for you? Um, I, I, it depends on what part of your, my life you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But um, before I lost, before, before the contract, I don't want to say I lost my job because I didn't, the contract ended. But before I lost my, before the contract ended, I was doing good. I mean, uh -huh. I was a government consultant. I was making good money, mm -hmm. you know? So this was a complete, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. So before that, how about like when you were growing up as when a kid? I, growing up as a kid, I had, um, I came from a large family of five brothers and two sisters. Oh, wow. And so... Um, so there was eight of you. There were eight of us. And... Um, uh, there were times I felt like I didn't have anything. And there were times where we were prosperous in making it. And um, my, my dad was an entrepreneur. I mean, he did everything. I mean, he did everything to bring money in. Um, but my parents, my mom died when I was 14. And then my dad was sick. So... At that, at that point in time, poverty set in because there was nobody to care for me. Mm -hmm. I, had, I had five brothers and two sisters. They all banded me to oh, take they... care of my dad. Oh. So, um, uh, so poverty, I know poverty well. I know it well. I mean, I, I would look, I, one of the things my mom told me before she passed was make sure you finish school. Make sure you you know, you go to college, you go to high school, and you complete, you get your education. And so it was very hard for me because at that time I was just, I was in middle school about to go into high school. And I remember I said, I got to go to school. This is what my, mo my mom wanted me to do. I have to go to school. I didn't have a toothbrush. I didn't have a comb. I didn't have the, 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 the means to take care of my, my hygiene. And so I said, I'm going, I, I'm going. And I bunched my hair up in a ponytail and went to school. So I lived, you know, pretty much from 14, year, 14 years old to 
trying to make it, surviving, making it for myself. And so I know straight hand what poverty is like and to want something and not be able to get it or need something and not have it. Wow. So you say your brothers, you say your brothers and sisters abandoned you. What do you mean by that? When I say that, I looked up, you know, after my mom passed away, um, um, they just left one by one. They just left the house. I looked up and there was nobody there but me and my dad. And um, Oh, it was just you and, you and your dad, and they all left? They all left, yeah, they all left. Wow. And... Um, they all were doing their own, their own, living their own, their own lives. I have a baby brother, um, but they sent him, a, uh, sent him away, and he ended up in the system, and still in, in the system to this day. And um, so they left, and I had to take care of my dad. I had to take care of my dad. Now, my older sister, um, she lived maybe an hour from me, but she had a husband, and she was living her life. I was still there, still had to take care of my dad, shaving him, washing him up, you know, because he had had a stroke and, um, and all the time going to school, you know, so I know so poverty well. When you were taking care of him, did they ever reach out or like after they left, did they ever reach out? Did y'all ever meet up or holidays? No, 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 nope. There were no holidays none of that no holidays none of that and um my sister my older sister would come maybe once a month oh wow but she wouldn't come to she wouldn't i don't recall her i recall i was 14 then so i recall them taking me to the grocery store and buying food but the responsibility to care for my dad was on me um, for many months, and then um, my sister uh, would take turns with me from time to time. But mm-hmm. that was after I, after I, you know, complained. Yeah. But um, so I know what poverty. I know it. I know it firsthand. How long did you take care of your dad by yourself? Um, let's see. It was probably like five months, five mm-hmm. or six months. And you were 14? I was I was 14. So, wow. Mm. So when you, with, with all of that happening, how was, when did you get saved? When did you give your life to Christ? I got saved when my mom was alive and well, and that was nine years old, nine years old. Mm. And, um, you know, after my mom passed, I, I, lo- I, 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 you know, I, I backslid, you know. Yeah. Much as a 14-year-old could, I wasn't really into, what well, I backslid. I, I, I stopped believing. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't stop believing in God. I just stopped, like, hey, whatever, my mom is gone, just, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then when I was 21, six years later, God... I rededicated my life back to the Lord. Huh? I said he snatched you out. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when he when he say when when you rededicated your life, um, I'm pretty sure he probably just brought up everything that happened to you when you were a kid, or like 
your process in like the abandonment and taking care of your dad anything like that did you did he walk you through a healing process was there any damage that was done to you in that process that he had to heal you from oh my god yeah but that didn't happen at 21 that happened years later that happened maybe um that happened years later mm-hmm. and it wasn't all it wasn't it was not all at once it was bits and pieces at a mm-hmm. time um yeah, it wasn't all at once um yeah when i when when i when he when he came to me at 21 i was um i was married at the time i got married at 21 mm-hmm. and um uh, I was cleaning out my closet and I heard this on my heart and it was just so loud and I knew it was the Lord I just knew it was him because who else could it be knocking on my heart that loud Wow. and um, from that day I was like okay Lord I'm, I'm done I'm done and um, I was married at the time I had um I had a child uh, at the age of um, 17. And so, um, yeah, I was married at the time. And then, um, so it was my husband and then I got, I got pregnant. Actually, I got pregnant before, uh, before I got married. We got married because I was, because I was pregnant. Okay. And um but so there's there's a and he was an addict and alcoholic, so I had there's so much stuff that God had to unwind and unravel mm-hmm. in my life and um and the healing and the the uh deliverance was over a period of time, you know. Um a husband was an addict, a cross addict, which meant he he drank and he did drugs. He didn't any any type of every any and every type of drug you could think of. But and then I had um, two more children, two more two more girls, mm-hmm. and um, so and then being healed and delivered from that relationship and then from childhood stuff. It's all it's just a process. You know, it's no longer a process because. God has brought me through all of it and has healed, done a great, great, great amount of work on the inside of me. Yeah. What would you say to those who are trying to walk out this process with God, with inner healing or hardships that they may have faced in the past, and it's just really, really hard? I would say don't be so hard on, don't be hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't be hard on yourself. And, um just to don't be afraid to look inward and don't be afraid to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and work with you through the issues that's the most important thing is allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and work through the issues with with you because um, if you don't then you repeat the cycle yeah you keep just behaviors keep happening keep mm-hmm. happening. But I would say that, so don't, you know, don't be hard on yourself. I would say journal, 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 pray, pray, pray. Talk to the Lord about 
all of it and allow the Holy Spirit in. Allow him to do the work. Be very transparent and open and honest with yourself. Hmm. When you say don't be hard on yourself, um, do you feel like there were moments in your healing process where you were hard on yourself? And if so, how? What did being hard on yourself look like if you were? Um, if you make a mistake, if you, if you mess up, you know, if you make a mistake or if, or if you mess up, then you begin to beat up on yourself. Like, I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I could have done better. Or I shouldn't have said that. Or I shouldn't have did that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, allowing the Holy Spirit to tell you who you are, because in that process, as as God is uncovering stuff and moving stuff and taking stuff out, you begin to see yourself for who you who who you are and who who God truly created you to be. You begin to see yourself, your identity. Yeah. When that stuff is uncovered and taken off of you, and that's just part of the process. That's why you know you don't have to be hard on yourself because. You just don't have to be. It's it, it keeps you in that place when you're hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. It keeps you stuck. It doesn't allow you to 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 grow. Is there um for the book, um, was it just about your journey with God in regards to losing your contracts? Or is there more stuff that's included in the book? Oh, there's more stuff the it, there's more stuff in this book, um, but it's my experience. It's 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 my experience as God was walking me through captivity, mm-hmm. right? So captivity captivity is not a bad thing. It's it's a place where God um, uh, it's a place where God prunes you it's a place where god can just love on you it's a place that he empowers you it's a place that he teaches you it's 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 a um it's a place of love it's a place it's a place of undivided attention if you want it that's what captivity is People think it's a bad place, but he takes you out to bring you in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, captivity is not, everybody thinks it's a bad place. Like COVID, this is the time where everybody is supposed to be in relationship with, with God, yeah. the creator. Yep. Right? And what, what what with me what happen what happens what happens with me as 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 the as a prophet I go through stuff before everybody else goes through stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Yeah. Like the captivity with COVID, I went through that before. Yeah. So when it happened, I was like, "You were fine." I was fine. Yeah. Because I had. Going through the captivity experience. You had your own quarantine. I had my own quarantine. Um, yeah, I had my own. It's a place of love. It's a place where he rescues you. Yes. He teaches you. You learn to trust. I gave up <clears throat> during my captivity. I went on this 
this interview with the State Department and um, the money was good. It was so good. I go on the interview and um, I'm thinking, well, maybe I, you know, I'll, I'll do it. I could, I could do this. Yeah, I'll do it. And here, you know, um, and meanwhile, this, I feel this like maybe not on the inside of me, mm -hmm. but be, even before I left DC, I got a call from them offering me the position. Oh, wow. And uh, I hadn't even left DC. I hadn't even left, I hadn't even left the city yet. I get the call from them saying they want, you know, they want to hire me. They want me to come work for them. The Lord said no. Jesus. And so I'm like, oh my God, Lord, no. And so, um, but I tell the lady yes. But listen, listen, listen. I tell the lady yes, right? Mm -hmm. So when I get home, the Lord, I go up into the laundry room. The Lord says, didn't I tell you? No. I have something better for you. I have something better for you. I'm like, God, this could take care of everything. This could take care of the house. This could take, I mean, this was, I mean, it could take, I could have so much more. I could give to the kingdom. I could just do so much with it. He says, no, I, you know, I have something better for you. So I had to go and email the lady and tell her I got a better offer. <laughs> and Laura says, you just email them and tell them you have a better offer. Wow. And um, that's what I did. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take it. And so, um, being in captivity is learning to trust them. The other thing, um, the other experience I had during captivity was, um, the house of representatives, they offered me a position. I would see, I would see this position. I said, I would never go for the house of representatives. I would never, ever go work for them. I, I, I don't want to work for the house of representatives. I don't work in, I don't want to do it. But they called me and um, the Lord said, take it. Mm. I, I cried. I was like, Lord, they don't even pay enough. He says, take it. So I took it and um, I had to trust them. I had to trust them. I'm like, I ain't got, how am I going to pay for this house on this income? You know, how can I do that? Yeah. And um, it was just a matter of me trusting him. And so in captivity, you learn to trust him, you know, and that's what I did. I had to learn to trust him no matter what it looked like, because he was always, he was, he was the one sustaining me, not my job, nothing that I could do could sustain me. He was trying to get that point. It yeah. drilled into me that there was nothing that I could do to keep me. Yeah. Nothing that I could do that could keep this house. Nothing that I could do to keep my car. That's a whole nother story. Mm. But there was nothing that I could do with my hands to keep this house. I had to trust him. I had to believe that he had, he had me. You know, I had to believe that. And so... Um, yeah, I had to believe that. Wow. That's so that's so powerful and amazing. I could definitely relate as a college student. I mean I'm a lot young a lot younger, but I've I've gotten offers and have said no. Um 
literally right after I got off the phone with a company. Um, and of course, like you got a young kid studying engineering like myself, and you would think, of course, the Lord would never tell me to not take an offer from an engineering company, or he would never tell me to do certain things at where I am in my life because it doesn't logically make sense. But even when I see the fruit in obedience, I could tell that in the moment it wasn't comfortable, but there was such a strong reward in how God honors those who adhere and, and listen to his voice. And even with quarantine, even with COVID, that was when I actually learned how to hear the voice of the Lord. Mm. And that was when I was able to develop my skills as someone who was able to truly quiet myself and listen to him. Like, I'm very grateful for COVID because in COVID, in quarantine, which technically there's still a pandemic going on. Mm -hmm. This entire pandemic has blessed me because it, it I think it, if you really manage your time correctly and you still manage your time correctly, it really allows you to confront yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit and lean into him for wisdom and guidance and exposure in what's going on in your soul. There's been so many relationships that God has restored through uh, through my self-examination. That's one of my prayers. I always pray, Lord, help me to be a man of self-examination. Mm -hmm. um, help me to always look at the man in the mirror to see if I look like you in in the areas, sort of like what David said in Psalm 139, search me, you know, determine my motives. Mm hmm know my heart seek seek out the things that are going on in my heart and i think that the quarantine really did help a lot of people confront themselves and if you were faithful and willing to go through that hard process you'd come out pure as gold mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i could definitely see how for you it wasn't difficult because really <clears throat> the lifestyle of a christian is to quarantine it's not even just a pandemic type of thing we're called to live in a pandemic. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're always called to be testing our motives and really seeing if we align with the word of the Lord or to see if we look like Jesus. Every single day, we're supposed to take up our cross daily mm -hmm. and to, de to determine, do I look like him in this moment? So there's never really an off season where we don't quarantine, where we're not in a pandemic, where the lights aren't off and no one's around. Even when we pray, the Bible says, go into your room and shut the door. Mm -hmm. And what your father reveals in secret, he will reward you openly. So there should always be a consistent um, self-examining. And also, even in the beginning, I guess this is prophetic, because when you were talking about the um, when you were talking about how you were going through the process in losing everything and how you wanted to commit suicide and you had depression and you could see how people uh lost their minds and stuff like that and God was everything you needed that's a prayer that I've actually been dealing with um, one of the prayers that the Lord actually taught me to pray specifically for me is Lord I don't even know what I need right now but I need you to be that mm -hmm. I don't know what I need but I need something from you and so I need you to be that because um, there's times where I can I realize now that based off of human circumstances and the things that go on in this natural world, we don't have the capacity to explain what we need. Like, as human beings, like, sometimes the the pressure is too much. Mm. Sometimes the situations are too crucial and it's too much at stake. And we, we think we know, 
but we really don't. And that's when we, you know, how the Bible says, lean not into your own understanding, mm-hmm. acknowledge him in, in all your ways, ways, and he will direct your path. And it's like, wait, how is, is it even correlates to how we live in an upside down kingdom? So because I don't understand, my path will be directed. Like, in yep. what world does that make sense? You know, I'm seeing that even with the lives of people at my school. You know, there's God is using me to really represent Christ. And that's something that I'm praying for, not even just for me, but for the students that I intercede for whatever they need. God, be that for them, because I don't even know what they need, because I, mm-hmm. sometimes I hear some of these stories and I'm like, my goodness, like over let's see during the like, yeah, last week or something. No, maybe a couple of days ago, I had to repent to this girl on behalf of the church of Jesus Christ because mm-hmm. of the things that she went through. I haven't even met her. Um, this is my first time ever seeing her in my life. And within 30 minutes of just hearing her testimony, I, as a man of God, just felt led to apologize to the things that were done to her. And, you know, through that encounter, praise the Lord, she ended up telling me that she wants to seek the Lord again. Mm, and she wants to revive her relationship with God. And those types of situations are so beautiful and mm-hmm. priceless and are a blessing. Um, and honestly, I can see why it's so important to say yes to God. Because maybe if I took that job offer... I wouldn't have been able to focus on God Mm -hmm. the way that I was, or I wouldn't be where I am in God now to be as wise and discerning to help people or to assist people and things of that nature. But I think it comes down to, like you said, trusting that even when God says no, and even when God says yes, even though we don't know why, it's because he said it and that should be good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is his word good enough? Is, is his instruction good enough? Even if you don't get an explanation, will you follow him just because he's right. God? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. We're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's what. That's that's just that's just the way it is for us to work it out. Mm-hmm. To do that self examination, to look within. You know, that's just part of our relationship with him. Yeah. Right. The soul is a very crucial part of the body of Christ. Like I was talking to one of my friends and she was just telling me how a lot of the behavior, a lot of the issues that we see manifest, not even just in the world, but even in the church are due to a lack of soul examination. Yeah. I remember, I remember, um, in my early twenties, I, you know, um, I was involved in something called El Anon and Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't go to Alcoholics Anonymous or uh, Narcotics Anonymous, but I went to El Anon, and that was for friends and families of uh, people that were addicted, which mm. my husband, ex-husband was at that time. Yes. And so that's how I learned about self-examination. You know, and being able to allow the Lord to come in and take a look and say, hey, let's look at this. Let's take care of of this resentment. Mm. Let's take care of that. Why are you feeling resentment? Why are you feeling resentment towards this person? Why are you, you know, um, and that's how I got um, involved with it. That's how... Um, 
um, I was able to walk through my relationship with them was by going to those meetings. And after 10 years of that, I was like, okay, I don't need this anymore. I need, I don't need Elanon or, you know, I don't need Elanon anymore. I just need the word. I don't need, you know, I just need the word. Not that I wasn't reading the word before, mm-hmm. but I, did, I didn't need the support group anymore. Yeah. And, but that's how I got involved. That's how I learned about inner healing and um, self-examination. It wasn't from me attending church because the black church at that time was so afraid to look in. And, that, and the Lord shared that with me. He says the church doesn't want not, does not want to look within. Yeah. Um, now I hear things about pastors wanting to get therapy and stuff like that. But back in the um, uh, 80s, 90s, the black church wasn't, they didn't want to look within. They didn't want to allow the Holy Spirit in. Um, but that's how I got started, through those going to those groups. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's very important too, like therapy um, and being able to really set your pride aside and recognize that if you feel that you need to talk things out with a professional therapist, that that's that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. It doesn't mean you're less of a Christian or that Jesus isn't your wonderful counselor, because um, He can still move through mm-hmm. those therapists. The Holy Spirit can be very much so involved right. in those counseling sessions and use them and their wisdom and their professional training to uncover roots that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I I haven't gone to therapy specifically yet, but I have I have seen the fruit in a lot of my friends' lives who are saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. like who have gone to therapy and who have really sat down and spoke about their issues and their trauma. And I think one thing that God is showing me with healing and with learning and with overcoming is it's okay to have trauma. There's nothing wrong with me because I have trauma. That's right. He doesn't look at me less because I have feelings and emotions. Like, just because I feel a certain way and I'm frustrated and I'm angry, God isn't mad because I know how to feel. He's not frustrated with me or he's not looking at me as if I did something wrong because I know how to feel or because of what I'm specifically feeling in the moment. But I think it goes back to the prayer that I told you that God taught me was, is Lord, I don't know specifically what I need, but I need something from mm-hmm. you and I need you to be that. Yeah. So that that's that's a powerful story. Um, and I could definitely see as to even though it happened um, in your past, I could definitely see how something like that can consistently carry you through. Like day by day with your walk with Christ, because that's just a principle that will allow you to be settled in difficult circumstances. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. So is there anything else that you wanted to say before we end this podcast to the audience? Any final thoughts, any final remarks? Mm, Yeah, well, I think that... um, I don't know. You have the power to overcome. God's put it within 
you to overcome any circumstance, any challenge, but overcome with him. Mm. You know, do it with him. You know, so you got the power. Use it. Use it. Y'all heard the woman of God. Jesus, that was powerful. Um, yeah, y'all. So as I said, this is Big Sis Deborah. Her book is called 52, The Power to Overcome. Go purchase it. I'm pretty sure it's a good read, even though I haven't read it. But if these are the types of things that are in her book, it's definitely beneficial for any person who is struggling with any strenuous situation with turmoil or anything like that. At the end of the day, like she said, God has given you the power to walk through it. And the inheritance of every believer is victory. And so because he got up, we can get up too. So with that being said, I love y'all. Hope y'all enjoy this episode. I will see you on the next one. Be blessed. What is going on, beautiful people? I appreciate the listening and the support to the Christ Convo podcast. If you received any form of insight on this last episode, leave a review on Spotify, on Apple Music, whichever source you listen to this podcast. I will be back for a new episode. Stay tuned. Be blessed.